Jesus is not only our Savior. Jesus is not only the Son of God. But Jesus is a teacher who taught in such a way that we can be coached through life. He taught so we could take our life off a negative path and onto a positive path, off of a pathway that leads to destruction and onto a pathway that leads to fulfillment in life. So what does Jesus say about the power of our attitudes? What does Jesus say about how to create healthy relationships? What does Jesus say about how to spiritually connect with God so that His grace becomes the fuel in our life that empowers everything else that we do? Find out the answers to these questions and more in Gateway's new message series, Jesus, the Life Coach. And welcome to the first, well actually this is not the first service, it's, it's your first service of the year, but we actually had the first service at 9.30. This is the second service of the year, but it's the first Sunday of the year. And um, to prepare for this message series, I actually went back a decade in time to dig out some of my notes because I wanted to look at something that I had taught here 10 years ago in 2010. I wanted to dig it out, look at it, and look at it afresh from a new angle. And as I was doing that, I discovered in my notes a joke that I told 10 years ago. How many of you remember it? <laughs> I didn't even remember it. So I thought, this joke is more appropriate now than it was then. I'm going to tell it again. Nobody will remember it anyway, so, so here goes. I, I, I read this little joke that I had in my notes, and it said there are, it, it was church one Sunday, and it was after the service, and, and there was this little boy, and he was standing up the back of the sanctuary, and he noticed this plaque, um, and it had all of these names on it. It was one of these war memorial plaques, and it had all these names on it. And the little boy said to the pastor, Pastor, what are all the names on this plaque here? And the pastor said, well, that is all the people who were members of this church who died in the services. And the boy said, in the first service or in the second service? <laughs> so nobody died in the first service this morning. I'm pretty sure you'll be okay for the second one. And... You know, we, 10 years ago, I shared here a message series called Jesus, the Life Coach. And it was an eight-part message series, and we actually went through the whole Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest sermon of Jesus that is recorded in Scripture. And we went through it section by section, paragraph by paragraph. I'm not going to do that this time, but I wanted to go and revisit that topic it's only going to be three parts this week, next Sunday, and the following Sunday. And I just, want to, I just wanted to look at kind of like the essence of that course or, of, or the kind of icing on the cake of it and just share with you, begin our year by acknowledging that if anybody knows how we should live our lives this coming year in a successful, in a productive, and in a blessed manner, it's Jesus. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus didn't just, uh, you know, he gave, you know, he, Jesus taught lots of parables, and throughout the Gospels, it's full of parables. But in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't just speak in parables. In the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't just speak about the kingdom of God. 
and he didn't just speak about heaven. He actually spoke mostly about life here. He was actually teaching us, or rather coaching us, how to navigate the, the real, everyday, practical things that we face in life. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus even gave advice to like what to do if, if, if someone's going to sue you and take you to court. I mean, it's that practical. It's practical about how to navigate the difficult circumstances of life, but how to do so with grace, with blessing, in the way that God intended, causing the least drama possible and, the, and, 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 the more, and overcoming those difficulties and being free of them. And so we're going to see over the next couple of weeks that Jesus talked a lot about coaching us in the normal, everyday affairs of life and even the abnormal things, the things that don't happen all that often, but they may still happen, not when we die, not in the sweet by and by, but right here and right now in this life, we need wisdom. We need advice and help because we're going to face lots of challenges this year. In fact, I actually delivered a prophetic word from the Lord in the first service. I'm going to deliver it again. In 2020, thou shalt face challenges. There you go. <laughs> That's it. You're going to face challenges. But when Jesus began teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, the very first thing he spoke about, before he spoke about any of those challenges, before he gave us advice about how to pray, or how to deal with an enemy that's opposing you, or how to deal with that court case, or what to do when someone treats you badly, he gives us advice about all of those things. But before he speaks about any of them, he addresses the most important thing of all. He addresses our attitudes, our inner attitudes. And Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount by speaking about the power of our attitudes. Because the attitudes that we hold in our heart will determine the actions that we take with our body. Okay? Where the mind goes, the man follows. And your attitudes will determine your actions. In fact, your attitudes are like your emotions, your emotional mood. Your emotions, I mean, think of the word emotion. Your emotions are what fuels your motion. You will act out the way you feel inside. And so before Jesus gave us any advice about dealing with problems in life, the very first thing he said was you need to deal with your attitudes. You need to deal with the mood that you are carrying around inside of you. Because your attitudes are like the fuel in your tank. I want you to imagine that you had a car. Let's just pick any make. We'll say it's a Chevrolet. Okay, you've got a Chevrolet and it's designed to take gas. And you pull into the gas station at the beginning of a very long journey and fill the tank up with diesel. Do you think that might cause you a problem? Now, 
like, I started using this illustration in the first service and then suddenly realized that I've never actually done that, so I don't know what problems it would cause. Has anybody ever put diesel in a gas car out there? Has anybody? Oh, it's a woman. That doesn't mean that only women do it. It means that men don't admit to doing it. That's what it means. <laughs> now, I don't know what, what that does, but I'm pretty sure it causes you problems on your journey. I would imagine that after a little bit, it's going to start and shaking and maybe just come to a stop <clears throat> like that. You are not going to get on the phone to Chevrolet, the manufacturers, I hope not, and start complaining to them about you've built a piece of junk and why did you sell me a car like this? And it's not fair. Everyone else's Chevrolet works, but my Chevrolet doesn't work. And, and uh, you know, it's because of the way you made it. Because you know that the manufacturers are going to say to you, there is nothing wrong with your vehicle. You put the wrong fuel in the tank. And I find that many people treat their life like that, that when things don't go the way they want it to, uh, they get on the phone to the manufacturer and complain. Well, my life's just not... Everybody else gets blessed, but I don't get blessed. They get there. Huh. I even went to the healing service last week, and the person on the right-hand side and the left-hand side of me got healed. But me? Oh, no, not me. You know? It's like, we, and we go and we complain to God. We complain that he didn't manufacture our lives properly. And I believe that God's answer to us very often is there is nothing wrong with your engine. I put it together. I wired you together. I know your heart. I know your spirit. I know your mind. I know your thoughts. I know your emotions. Like uh, your brain actually does work if you act, work it properly. I know your engine is working. The problem is you're putting the wrong fuel in your tank. You're fueling your tank with pessimism and doubt and fear and anxiety and anger and irritation and all of the wrong kinds of fuel. And you are not going to get along the road of life very far before your vehicle, before your life begins to splutter and sputter and stall and shake and just stop at the side of the road. And it's not the manufacturer's fault, it's the fuel that we are putting in our tank. If you stop putting that negative fuel of wrong attitudes in our tanks, and we began to fill our tanks with the right attitudes, with the positive high-octane rocket fuel... Then you'll get into your Chevrolet and you'll put your foot on the gas. And you're at the mountains already, you know. <laughs> it's like your attitude deter. It's an old saying that motivational speakers use, but it's true. Your attitude determines your altitude. The attitude that you have inside determines how far you will go before you run out of fuel. And so Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount. He begins his life coaching message by talking about the power of our attitudes. And he gives us nine attitudes we call it the Beatitudes, okay? The Beatitudes. But 
What does the word beatitude mean? Well, in English, the word beatitude is two words put together, beauty and attitude. It's really saying, here are nine beautiful attitudes that will beautify your life. Okay? Or another way that you could say it is you could call them the be happy attitudes. Not the be angry attitudes. Not the be gloomy attitudes. And not the be judgmental attitudes. I think a lot of Christians could do with just hearing what I just said. I'm going to say it again. Not the be angry attitudes. Not the be gloomy and pessimistic attitudes. What was the third one I said? Hmm? I can't hear you. Oh, judgmental. Not a judgmental attitude. I mean, that is going to cause most Christians to speak 50% less words this year than they spoke last year. Just that alone, right? It's the be happy attitudes. Because the word blessed, or if you like the old King James, blessed, means... The dictionary definition of blessed, by the way, the, the, the word is beatisunt, which is where we get beatitude from. Blessed are. The word blessed means happy, to be envied, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction. Don't you want that for 2020? How many of you want to be blessed in 2020? Anybody out there want to be blessed? Anybody out there that you want 2020 to be a year that you're happy? And the other people are looking at you and saying, I don't know what happened to them this year, but I envy them. Don't you want 2020 to be a year where you are spiritually prosperous and you're full of life and full of joy and full of satisfaction? Don't you want that? To be blessed in this year. But the key is the last sentence. Regardless of the outward circumstances, I believe that we can make a decision in this place today, I am going to be blessed in 2020. What we can't do is make a decision, I am going to have perfect outward circumstances in 2020. Because you've got no control, because unfortunately the world is full of 8 billion other people too, and they've all got their own agenda, okay? And you can't control all these other people, and you can't control everything that goes on in your life, and if you try to do it, you're going to make it yourself miserable. But there's one thing you can control. You can control the attitude that you have inside, and you can decide to be blessed, to be happy, to be spiritually prosperous, to be full of life, to be full of joy, and to be full of satisfaction regardless of the outward circumstances. So let's have a look at these beatitudes, these nine be happy attitudes in Matthew 5 that Jesus spoke about. This is what he said. Now, I decided to use a very modern English translation because, you know, sometimes when we read old-fashioned translations, words change meaning over time, you know? Suffer the little children. What does that mean? Make them suffer? I mean, what does it mean? (laughs) 
Um, whereas our, our modern translation says, be patient with the little children, right? And so sometimes with the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? That modern translation explains it. God blesses those who realize their need for him. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. To be poor in spirit means to realize your need for God. Some people, many people, even many people who call themselves people of faith or call themselves Christians, you know, they think about God when they pray, they think about God when they read the Bible, they think about God when they're in church, but they carry on the rest of their life without constantly acknowledging their need for God, as if God's only interested in the spiritual parts of their life, but not interested in their career or their studies or whatever else they are involved in. Church, the very best attitude that we can start off this year with is to acknowledge to ourselves and to God our need of him. That we need his power, we need his help, we need his guidance, his forgiveness, his presence. Whatever you need, it comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father, the Bible says. Blessed are those who realize their need of God. And also, God blesses those who mourn. Why? How does he bless them? they shall be comforted. Do you know that there is a big difference between being alone and being lonely? You know, it is possible to be alone and to not be lonely because you are constantly aware of God's presence. You have his presence with you. And that's what it means to be comforted. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go away. I'm going back to the Father, but I won't leave you as orphans. I will send you the comforter. Well, who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit who shall be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is simply God's presence. God's presence with us. And Jesus said that when you're going through difficult times, maybe you're mourning, maybe you're grieving, maybe it's because you lost a loved one last year, maybe it's because someone or something that was part of your life no longer is, and you have grief in your heart, if you will bring that to God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter will strengthen you inside, will lift you up, and you will not feel that your attitude is being crushed down by this burden, but you will be free from it. You will be liberated from it. You will be able to live fully and freely on the inside. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the earth. We don't, really, we, we don't really understand the word humble, I don't think, in our culture. The old English says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we don't really understand meek either. I know that lots of people think that meekness means weakness. And think that to be humble means to be kind of pathetic. Blessed are the pathetic people that can't help themselves. You know, that, that's kind of like what it is. 
because they will inherit the earth. And you say, well, they won't inherit the earth. It's all the bad dudes that are inheriting the earth. Well, blessed are the pathetic people. You ain't getting nothing in this life, but once you die and it's all over, you'll, you'll get a morsel, you'll inherit the earth then. You know? That's not what it means at all. Jesus is speaking about our life here and how to live a blessed life. And he says, blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek. And the, the word, the original word really means blessed are those who are teachable. Or let me rephrase it. People who don't already think they know it all and are open-minded to learn new ideas, those people will inherit everything that God's got for them. But the people who are unteachable, are stubborn, refuse to learn anything new, God might have a big inheritance for them, but they won't, in, they won't inherit their inheritance, and they won't possess their possessions, and they won't enter their promised land, because they're not teachable, they're not humble, they're not meek. But those with a desire to learn, those who are teachable, will begin to see things in their life from a new perspective perspective, and that will enable them to overcome their current difficulty and inherit their inheritance, possess their their promises, and enter into the land that God has prepared for them. The book of Proverbs puts it this way. It says, wise people are open to new ideas. In fact, they go looking for them. Wise people are open to new ideas. In fact, they go looking for them. I've never understood it when people start getting older and I'm one of my hair is going gray itself and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like they decide to stop learning new things. I don't want to learn anything new. I mean, my mother, who is still alive, still doesn't know how to work the VHS player and we don't even have these things anymore. You know? Never mind the DVD, the Blu-ray, the download. She's like, I don't want to know anything new. You know, so everybody else has to solve those problems for her. So I want to encourage you, have a hunger for learning this year. Be teachable. Be open to new ideas. In fact, look for them. And you know what will happen? You will inherit the earth. Everything that God has for you, not in heaven, but on this earth, will come into your life. God blesses those who hunger and thirst to be right with God, for they shall be satisfied. Do you have a spiritual hunger in your heart? Because some people just seem to think that they just kind of like stagger through life, and one day, you know, they'll be at church one day, and the Holy Spirit will kind of fly through the room like a dove, and do a dropping on their head or something like that, and they'll feel the warmth and they'll think, oh, I'm suddenly spiritually mature. It doesn't work that way, people. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He's not floating around above your head. It is the presence of God deep within you. 
And the Bible says you need to stir up the gift of God that is within you. Develop a hunger to grow spiritually, a hunger to know God and his word more and to grow in him. If you want to do that, come to the interest party after the service in the office area. Find out about the workshops that we're putting on this year or the gateway. I'll be there to talk about Gateway Academy if that's what you're interested in. And find a way that you can grow spiritually, but it begins begins with an inner attitude, with a spiritual hunger. Let's read on. Uh, next one. God blesses those who are merciful, who are kind, who are compassionate, who are loving. Why? What's going to happen to them? Someone's going to be nice to them too. The Bible is full of the law of sowing and reaping. As you sow, so shall you reap. Judge not and you will be not judged. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Be merciful, and you shall be shown mercy. How about we make a decision that we want to live in an atmosphere of compassion and mercy and forgiveness this year instead of judgmentalism and legalism and division? That attitude can change everything in your life. God blesses those uh, whose hearts are cleansed, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. God blesses those whose hearts are cleansed. None of us are pure in heart on our own. Every single one. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We're all flawed, fallible human beings, and we have all dirtied our own hearts. But isn't it great that we have a God who is forgiving, who is loving, who cleanses our hearts? Blessed are those happy, full of life and joy and enthusiasm are people who know they're forgiven, people whose hearts are cleansed. Earlier on in the service, as we were praying during the worship, I said, don't drag the problems from last year into this year. Well, here's another example of that. Don't drag the sins of last year into this year. If you're caught up in something in your life and you know it is dirtying your heart, make a decision today. No more. I'm laying it down. I'm asking God to cleanse my heart. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. It completely changes your outlook. God blesses those who are troublemakers on Facebook. No, that's not what it says. God blesses those who are what kind of makers? Peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. You know, there is, there is something, you know, uniquely Christ-like about seeing two people who are at loggerheads with each other and you being able to br bring reconciliation to that. Blessed are the peacemakers. God blesses those who are peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And so maybe you might want to join me in this, make it your New Year's resolution not to comment on social media when somebody posts something stupid, you know, 
Just leave it alone. You don't need two of you to be stupid. The, the Bible says, the Bible says, if you answer a fool, you're as bad as him. Just leave it alone. Blessed are the peacemakers. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. It doesn't say God blesses those who are persecuted because they're an absolute pain in the neck and nobody can stand them. That is not what it says. It doesn't say that you're being persecuted if you're just an obnoxious person. Some people are just obnoxious people. Then when they get kicked back, I'm being persecuted. for. No, you're not being persecuted. People just don't like being around you. So get rid of those negative attitudes and have some be happy attitudes and begin to radiate that. This one leads us on to the very last one, number nine, which says, next slide, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Now, none of that sounds like a blessing. Like, I used to, things like that used to really bother me. I remember years and years ago, like, talking about being triggered. This was my trigger. If anything that was an injustice, if it wasn't true and it wasn't accurate, right, that's it, I need to defend this, you know. Thankfully, there came a point where I laid that down and thought, it doesn't really bother me what anybody else thinks. I'm glad I came to that point because now the internet is full of websites that I'm named in, accusing me of believing all sorts of weird and wonderful things that I don't believe at all. And if I was going to let that bother me, I'd be on there arguing with all. In fact, one of my daughters said to me once, Dad, have you seen this dude on YouTube that makes videos against you? And I said, which one? I've seen a few. <laughs> I've seen a few. And she showed us. Oh, I said, oh yeah. She said, let's watch it. So we sat and watched it. It was absolutely hysterical. It really was. First of all, the guy never said anything to contradict anything that I was saying. All he did was read things that I had written. And he would say to the camera, you're not going to believe this. Wait and you hear what Martin Trench wrote here. Blah, 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 blah. Can you believe that, he said? And the next paragraph's worse, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you are doing me a great favor. This is free advice. You're just sitting there reading my book. That's all you're doing. And then as I looked at the guy, I realized how depressed and miserable and unhappy he was. And how me and my daughter were having a good laugh at this video. We were full of joy. We were overflowing with laughter and praise. <laughs> well, he was miserable. God blesses, makes, just be happy when people are full of it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted the same way. You know, see whatever attitude you have, other people will pick it up. I remember when I used to really struggle with this one, I used to really struggle with injustices. Not even just about me, anybody. If an injustice happened to you, I'd be there to sort it out, you know? It was like, that's not fair. And 
what made me change was when one of my sons, Josh, was at kindergarten. And it got quite embarrassing because he obviously picked up the attitude that I was exuding at home. And we would go, either Christine or me would go to the kindergarten to pick him up and the teacher would be standing there. Um, Yes, he beat up another kid today and left him with a bleeding nose and I had to call the kid's parents. And I'm looking at Josh who is very defiant. Well, I had to, he said. He stole a toy car from a little girl and she was crying. So I went and sorted him out and gave her it back. Now, how do you give your kid into trouble for that? I mean, it's really hard, isn't it? But then I realized I am creating an environment. My attitudes are not based on my outward circumstances. My attitudes are actually creating my outward circumstances. I am releasing a mood, an atmosphere, a cloud everywhere I go. In fact, let me just uh, even tell you this. When I, when I was younger, my, um, my father had... Uh, he used to suffer from bouts of depression from time to time. Now, when I was a kid, I used to watch this cartoon on TV. Um, so I'm just telling the media guy I'm doing things in a different order than the first service, just so he knows. So I used to uh, uh, watch this cartoon on TV. It's probably not shown now because it's probably not politically correct. So forgive me, okay? But I watched it when I was a kid. There was a character on this cartoon called Big Chief rain in the face. I've got a picture of him. There he is, right? Now, if, if you're First Nations and you're offended at that, honestly, just go and have a look at all the depictions of Scotsmen that I have to put up with. They've all got big red beards and kilts and they're all drunk and their name would be Big Chief Whiskey in the Mouth or something like that, you know? So we all have to put up with it. So here he is, Big Chief Rain in the Face. And in the cartoon, everywhere he went, he carried his own rain cloud with him. And nobody wanted to hang about with him because if you got close to him, you were under a rain cloud as well. Now, I watched this cartoon when I was a kid, and um, anyway, then I became a teenager, and then later on, I became a Christian, and I was about 18 years old. I was still staying with my parents. I came home one day. I opened the front door. My dad was sitting in his usual chair watching the TV. I opened the door, and I walked in, and and as I looked at him, I saw a big dark cloud. There wasn't actually rain coming out of it, but it was the first time I'd ever had a spiritual vision. I physically saw a dark cloud above his head. And I'm like, "Uh, hi, Dad. I've never seen anything like this before. The only other Christian in the house was my mother. And I went and said to her, I've just seen a big dark cloud. And she said, he's always got that. I said, no, no, I, I really see it. Like it's there. And I went back through and it was gone. I instantly thought, and I said, Dad, you're big chief rain in the face. But you mean... (laughs) The reason I'm unhappy is all these unhappy things have happened. I said, no, the reason all these unhappy things are happening is because you're carrying the atmosphere around with you. Well, he wasn't, he didn't like that conversation. (laughs) Who wants their teenage kid telling them something, especially if it's true? You know what I mean? So, but I never forgot that experience. And I thought, when we generate a mood within us, That creates an atmosphere around us. 
and we take that atmosphere everywhere we go. And you want to know why you don't have any friends? Now you know. It's the atmosphere that you're taking everywhere you go with you. Look, let's just look, let's look at the Beatitudes one last time, but I've reworded them as the five excellent attitudes. I've put them all together, these nine Beatitudes. This year in 2020, let's have these attitudes. Let's have a spiritual attitude. Let's put God first. Let's have a heart for God. Let's be people of prayer. Let's be sensitive to the Spirit. I, I don't, you know, I don't mean to be critical, but I've never understood Christians that don't, they never feel God's presence. It's like, you're not just supposed to open your mind to God, you're supposed to open your heart to God too. I was driving to the service this morning, driving to the service, listening to some worship music. Waymaker, miracle worker. What's the next line? Nobody knows. Promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. I want to tell you, I was crying like a wee, I know I'm a crier anyway, but I was crying like, I was crying by the time I pulled into the parking lot and I thought, Pull yourself together, Martin. You're going to walk into the worship and Mitch is going to go, ring, and you're going to... <laughs> like, as soon as I start talking to God, I feel his presence. People, if you don't sense God's presence, don't just open your mind to him. Open your heart, your emotions to him. Become sensitive to the spirit. Have a sincere attitude. Be a genuine human being. Don't be a fake plastic Christian. Well, praise the Lord, I've got my giant Bible with me and I walk about saying, glory, how are you today? Blessed, blessed, hallelujah, glory. And, you know, I mean, just be a real person and be, be a genuine person yourself and be genuinely interested in other people. I promise you, when you die and stand before God and give an account for your life, he is not going to say to you, oh, see that time there and that time there and that time there when you were really fake. That was awesome, man. He's not going to say that, right? Fake doesn't do it. Be sincere. Have a right heart. Have a sensible attitude. Some people are so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. And some people are, are so sincere that they're serious all the time. You know, like the old Puritans or something like that. No, we, we should balance this with being sensible, being reasonable. Being reasonable is a virtue. I have met many Christians that are completely stubborn, legalistic, and totally unreasonable, and they think it's a virtue. It's not a virtue. So be reasonable. Don't be rigid. Have a seeking attitude. Be teachable. Be hungry for truth. Be on a quest this year. And most importantly, don't be big chief rain in the face. Don't be Mr. Gloomy Grumpy. Have a sunny attitude. Be joyful. Be happy. Be optimistic. In fact, that is what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray together. We're going to say a prayer, a prayer of faith and a prayer of affirmation. And as we pray, we are going to declare that this year we will be blessed. We will be happy. We will be joyful. We will be healthy. We will be holy. Come on, get up on your feet, church.
Get up on your feet. Begin to move your body because it hasn't moved for 30 minutes. Raise your hands up high. Engage both your mind and your heart, both your thoughts and your emotions. And let's say this prayer of faith or confession of faith together. Are we ready, church? Okay, let's say this. I am blessed. I am not cursed. I am happy. 